The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com. Hello and welcome to Hidden Horsepower. How's everybody doing out there? My name is Joe Costello, and this is our first studio edition of Hidden Horsepower for 2023. And I am not here alone. Oh no, Lake Speed Jr. joins us now. Lake, welcome back. Hidden Horsepower, we did the Engine Performance Expo, we had the holidays, and now we're ready to ramp up as the racing season ramps up. Everybody's getting ready. They're putting their new engines in their cars, and we're learning a whole lot, and we've got a nice nice episode for everybody here today. Oh yeah, today's all about executing on what we've talked about at the expo, empowering people to go to that next level. In fact, right here where I am today is Hill Country Machine. Uh, Elaine and Daniel Solis, they're shopped right here just outside of San Antonio, Texas. And we've been actually working on is, okay, you know, these ideas, these concepts of surface finish and, you know, utilizing the tools that we showed off at the expo, where we're able to use the profilometer and the microscope and incorporate the software we talked about on the last uh, studio edition of Hidden Horsepower. Me and Matt, we're looking at how you can see the trace and you can use that to home. We're doing that right, right now. Say, hey, you don't always have to have uh, $100,000 CNC home in order to get the correct surface finish. So what we want to really be able to do for 2023 is go beyond just talking about these concepts and really start helping people enable it and make it real because you know going back to the expo man we're still blown away we picked up dad's engine 300 horsepower we picked up the engine performance expo ls 300 horsepower over the course of the year so big gains can be made when you know what levers to pull and that's what we want to do Start let people start grabbing those gears. Let's make some power. Make 2023 real. Absolutely. Well, we all had a great time at the expo. Hopefully, the audience out there enjoyed the throwback to the year before. And we'll be doing that again uh in the future. Many of the interviews mm-hmm. that we did at the expo. One person that was like a big star of the expo. I wouldn't call it like a breakout performance because he was a big star already before was Mr. Ben Strader, and he is going to join us right now ben welcome to hit hey how are you how's it going i'm doing super extra good thanks for the great intro joe i feel special now well you should you did a great job you carried a lot of weight and i checked the social media traffic that was going on during the engine performance expo and i saw a lot of people like man this ben this ben strader he's doing a lot of stuff man he's carrying the show he's doing it all uh you're a media talent of course but the knowledge and like lake said right it was it was the results that drove that the result was amazing yeah, you know, I was just trying to help out Lake because he, he was running around and rarely do you ever see Lake uh, running out of energy, you know, but man, that's a long couple of days to be on the whole time. And so I just kind of told him at the beginning, me in whatever you need me and I'll just ramble on and talk about stuff and, you know, it'll be fun. And sure enough, we had a great time. Are you saying I use him up? <laughs> are you saying that Lake ran out of energy? Is that what you're saying? Because I don't know if that actually happened. He, I, I'll bet you that you don't remember your head hitting the pillow that night, Lake. It, it just you were yeah. done. Yeah, I was done. Yeah, rare. That's a rare thing for Lake. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of hustle. There was a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, my job is I, I pretty easy, right? Linking it all together, making sure it keeps on moving. But uh, you guys behind the scenes with the work and the dyno poles and just like giving that. That final punch. Again, uh, people out there in the audience can let us know, obviously, in the chat section and on social media. But I enjoyed the Engine Performance Expo greatly and learned so much. So many great interviews. Can't wait to do it again next year. But now it's onward, right? There's a lot of information that we learned. And like Lake said minutes ago, how do we use it, right? Let's put it to good use here in 2023. Yeah, you know what's really interesting is it's hard. Anytime you go to a training or a school or listen to a lecture, watch a video, whatever. It's hard to retain everything on there. I mean, there's so many like moments where you're just like, oh gosh, aha, you know? But I think what's cool about that Engine Performance Expo is how you can go back, not just to the stuff we did this year, but man, all the way back to the first one, every single episode on there is is still available. So the ability to go review was pretty spectacular. Oh, absolutely. Lake, your thoughts? Well, somebody I met one time said something about, you know, we, we teach 
what we're most interested in learning about. I think that guy's name is Ben or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but that's really been the, the driving force behind the expo. If, if I'm being honest from my own personal, and I, I know I'm going to speak for Ben here. The reason we do this, we put so much time and effort into it. This is, this is the stuff that we find fascinating that we want to learn about. So we go you know, full hog, go crazy on trying to do these crazy projects and, you know, travel across the country and do these kind of things because we're excited about learning it. And what we want to do is back to the empowering thing. We don't want to make it just conceptual for everybody else. We want to do some things and we have some things coming up here in the next few months where you can join us and start to actually hands-on make these things reality for you, not just something you're watching. Well, don't don't hold back. Let's get right into that, right? Uh, and, and that has been a question that has been asked by many of our podcast audience. And you know, I get out to the racetrack. I was out at the racetrack this past weekend, honestly, uh, dating the mm -hmm. show a little bit. It's fine. Uh, first NHRA action of 2023, Orlando Speed World Divisional Race. And just amazing the people that I was able to connect with that weren't necessarily like, you know, of course, they're NHRA fans, but they were fans of Hidden Horsepower. And they listen to the show every week. And this is their when they come out. And this is exactly what they wanted. Like, you know, how, how do I come hang with you guys? One gentleman was right near uh, Straub up there. And he's like, could I have just like, he has a machine shop. He's a veteran machinist. Could I have just come and like watched it? And I told yes. him, you yes, could have come hung out. Yeah. could have come and hung out. That was kind of the point. And so to get your hands uh, a little dirty and start doing this stuff, what do we got planned? Well, the first one is in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, where Ben is, the competition engine development class. So I'll let Ben explain what it is. But I can tell you this, because I've one, I've been to it before, and it helped me a ton. It's not a blueprinting class. No. So this is not something you need to make the trip to Havasu for if you want to learn how to blueprint an engine. This is really about how you can unlock that hidden horsepower, the right way to think and what kind of tools are involved. So Ben, why don't you explain what the thought process is and what's going to happen in, in uh, Lake Havasu on this deal? Sure. I'd love to. Um, you know, part of the reason that we started doing this class, Lake, is that you know, I, I was asking the question, if you're if you're a young person in this industry or for that matter, a, a grown up, you know, and and you really want to get to the next level, like how do you learn the right things to do? How, how do these guys mm -hmm. that have made all the successful engines, how do they know how to choose the right cylinder head? How do they know how to choose the right camshaft? And, you know, so many times you get answers like, well, you just kind of got to have some experience. You just kind of got to know that. And I'm, I was never satisfied with that. And so, frankly, I have built here this facility is the kind of place that I wish there would have been when I was coming up and learning all that stuff. Yeah. So effectively, I just a, a grown up, you know, Disneyland for adults kind of thing of, of car guys. But ultimately, the class was about how do I cut through all the white noise and use real science and real math and a real thought process to be able to unlock and achieve bigger power numbers, you know, reliability, you know, all these kinds of things, efficiency of the engine that that you know, most people just say, well, you just sort of have to know, well, there's got to be a way to get from A to B and B to C. So that class competition engine development, you're right. I think the way you described it is perfect. This is not blueprinting. This is not how to build an engine. If you, if you're not sure which end of the torque wrench to be using, this might be a little too advanced for a, for a first <laughs> class to take. And I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but Right. We're going to take a, a scientific and a mathematical approach to understanding engine efficiency. We look at mechanical efficiency, you know, friction and drag. We look at volumetric efficiency, airflow. We'll look at thermal efficiency, you know, um, capturing all that heat that we're making. And then we'll use real world data to sort through the how. A lot of what we do in the Engine Performance Expo is the, the what and sometimes the why, but we just don't have enough time to really dive into the how. And so this class no, exactly. is a three-day, you know, adventure through what do I look at? How do I evaluate whether or not it's right? If I was going to start with a clean sheet and I had a goal of power to make, how do I use my calculator to get from zero to 80%? You know what I mean? And we know it's not perfect. If we could design engines with calculators, we wouldn't need race cars or dinos or whatever. 
but we still have to have a way to get there and, and, and get the package together the right way the first time. And that's really what that class is. And you know, you've, you've been there. We talk about all kinds of stuff, the mechanical oh, yeah. side, the airflow side, you know, we got, we got the Spintron data to look at. So that's one of the picture right there, Joe, is that new 11.3 liter Ford Godzilla engine that we've been running on the Spintron so we can evaluate the valve train. Wow. You know, all these things are, are stuff that we look at in this class. You'll, you'll see firsthand Spintron data, dyno data, in-cylinder combustion analysis data. We're going to learn math formulas. We're going to learn all kinds of tools that you get to take home with you. And, you know, uh, there's uh, the brand new uh, CWT balancing machine. So we're going to, again, looking at putting putting numbers on things that we can manage and control. And I think that's important. So so often it's just, well, you just sort of have to know. Well, that's not really fair for the young guy that says, where do I start? You know, I don't know because I don't have any experience, but I can't get any experience because I don't know. You know, it's this, there has to be a path forward. And that's what we tried to create in this class. That's great. Well, it's, and what's great too is it's not just, okay, all talk bunch of lectures. I mean, there are some, some of that, but it's also a chance to touch the machines and, and talk to the parts and it's hands-on too. It, so it, it helps it bring it all together and make it real that you're not just watching a video. You're really in the shop and you're able to look at the parts. And I mean, like little things like, like your Kent's microscope there is amazing to be able to look at what a part looks like under 200 X magnification. And start to put it all together because to me that's what i think this class is so good about is it's taking all these different parts of the puzzle and it's where they all starts to kind of come together and you can leave out of there knowing what to do because now it's not just these little pieces of information that have been scattered all around it's all come together and you can take a take action and go forward from there yeah even like you mentioned the microscope even be able to do post-mortem analysis. Okay. So we screwed up and we have a failure. How do I know where to go work on something to make sure that doesn't happen again? Instead of just going, I don't know, maybe it was just bad parts or I don't know, maybe parts just fail sometimes. We need to have an answer so that we can prevent that catastrophic type stuff from happening more than once. And so we'll have real world examples that you'll get to look at under the microscope. We can point out things that you can look for before you assemble your engine, right? So again, like you said, you know, not everyone's got to have a hundred thousand dollar home to get results. Well, you don't have to have a 10 or 15 or $20,000 microscope, but there are things you could be looking at that would save you a whole lot of trouble in the long run. And, uh, and that's the kind of stuff we'll get to do hands-on. You'll get to hold the part and put it on the microscope and look at it. Oh, so right, so where's, where's all this going down, right? Like people are, I like to put myself in the position of, and you said it, Ben, and not that the uh, the older gentlemen out there don't want to learn, certainly not, but they also already have a great amount of knowledge. But we're mm -hmm. trying to like replenish the uh, the engine builder, uh, you know, the, the blood of the engine building craft mm -hmm. and to get those guys interested. There's now no excuse for not doing it because the information is there and we've already announced that there's a whole bunch of people that want to help and they're all on board like that. We want to help you. We want to help you. So you're doing these classes. Where are they? When are they? And for people that are interested, how do they get involved? So, so the where is right here at our facility here in Lake Havasu city, Arizona, which is about two hours or so from Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, it's difficult to teach this particular class at other places, Joe, because man, the amount of equipment and, and, resources that you need in a facility to do all of these different jobs is tough to replicate. So again, I just sort of built the kind of shop that I would want to go hang out in all the time. And Lake will tell you, he comes over here and hangs out all the time too. And oh, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, the, the, when we do the class several times a year, the next one's March 1st through the third, it's uh, it's about half sold out already. Actually. I think there's only three seats or so left. We, we cap the size at six so that we can do a lot of time hands-on. Um, but it's, it's like you said, Joe, it's, it's the series of steps, the dependent events. You know, how do I learn how to get from step one to step two, step three? Well, if I have 30 years of learning the hard way, that's one thing. But if you're getting started and you don't have those 30 years, where do you even begin? And that's, that's kind of what we wanted to build here. So, you know, come out, hang out, put your hands on stuff, play with it, learn that way. And if you've never been to a NASCAR or NHRA pro stock engine shop, just go to the class, you've essentially done the same thing. Because that's one, one reason why I love going out there is it's all the tools. 
uh, sure. short of the ABL Dyna, which most pro stock teams don't even have those, it's everything. There's not many places you can go and there's in-cylinder combustion analysis happening there, having the Spintron, having the, the Keyence microscopes and all the other, like I said, it's, it is Disneyland for people who love engines. So that's you know, Disney that's World plus Epcot and all the other stuff. <laughs> you, know. you get the three day pass. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting that you say that like, cause that's a good point. You know, it's not like we're just uh, like uh, auto shop class in high school where we have all these old sort of relic parts so the kids can play with. I like to think that we're building engines at pretty much the highest level of motorsports here. We don't have a ton of customers and that's by design, but the customers that we do have race at a very high level and they're very competitive. The engines that we're building here uh, run at the front of the pack and all the classes they, they run in. And so I like to think that if, if you knew you could, you know, let's say you knew what was inside a NHRA pro stock shop. How many, how many guys do you know, Joe, that could say, I'm going to ring up the phone to KB Motorsports or Elite Motorsports and just see if they'll just let me go hang out and look over their shoulder. Like, <laughs> not happening, you know? No, no. And so what we tried to build here was a place that was like that, but that you could come knock on the door and come in and sit down for a couple of days and ask questions. You know, I, I almost said ask dumb questions, but there really aren't dumb questions. I just mean, sometimes as, as guys, we're afraid to go, hey, I don't understand. Can you tell me? and have somebody stop what they're doing and explain it to you, you're not going to find that in one of those types of shops. So we had to build it ourselves, so that, you know, we could find those answers and then share them with people. Well, that's a human thing though. The not wanting yeah. to slow down the process by asking a question. Lake knows it from the NHRA trackside tech talks that we did that they would go through this long, uh, not long, but a, a presentation. And we'd say, you know, does anyone have any questions? And no one would have any questions. And then one guy would have a question and then the next guy, and then the next guy. And then next thing you know, they were there 30 minutes after it's over ask, answering all these questions. It's just, nobody wants to be that first person. That's the whole point of this exercise is to go through it and delve into the questions. Yeah. Well, so the great thing I mentioned about Joe, sorry, Ben, is that unlike doing a trackside tech talk where we can do a presentation and then eventually people do open up and they start having their questions, but we have to talk about those things. We have to talk, maybe show a picture or do this and try to explain to somebody what it would be like to have the profilometer and measure a cylinder and then hone out a couple of thousands and then do this and do that. At the class, you can hands-on go do it. You can literally go grab the profilometer, go over the cylinder bore, and you can check it yourself. You can, it, so that's what I'm saying. It's that next level of going beyond just head knowledge and then actually getting your hands on it. That's what makes these classes so cool. So, you know, the picture is yeah. worth a thousand words, right, Joe? Bring up the picture you have of the Spintron data with the yellow line at the top that looks like a, uh, you know, like the gear. Nope. Uh, the other one with the yellow line at the top, the black background. There you, there go. you go. So that is that Spintron data that we produced here only about within the last month or so, like the ability to go and actually make the gear changes on the Spintron. It's unheard of. Almost no one can do that. Some of the cup teams can, but I mean, you don't see Spintron data with gear changes like this. And so in the class, it's again, it's not like you're looking at old relic, you know, this is how they did it in the sixties type data. We're learning as fast as we can get it in the classroom. And so what happens is whatever you learn, we probably just learned within the last year or so too as well, exactly. because it's cutting edge technology. That is amazing. Absolutely. That is amazing. And yeah, guys, just call up, uh, call up pictures and I'll do my best to get them on the screen as fast as is possible. And Ben, I know you sent a couple of videos as well. And Lake, you spent sent a video. We got a dyno pull as well. So uh, we'll keep people going, but I, I find it to be interesting and the end. The interest is out there, right? Like why one thing that I think is common about, we'll call them younger folks, but really it's the modern generation or anyone that's operating is they, they're looking to be as efficient from where they are to where they want to be. I won't call it a shortcut, but as efficient from where they are to where they want to be. And trial and error doesn't sound like a good, efficient way to do it. Well, in video games, right? You're looking for the hack, right? How can I do my life hack? How can I get to that next level without having to go through the trial and error part? Well, this is it. This is the hack, right? You want the hack for building horsepower. This is it. When the thing is, so if you want to know about the dates and how to sign up and do all that, I don't know if Ben mentioned it, but go. It's EFI101.com is the website. Isn't that right, Ben? 
That is correct. Yep. And then there's a tab for schedule and locations. You can come find us on there and get registered. So um, like I said, the easiest thing to do is fly into Vegas. There's lots of flights in and out every single day. So fly into Vegas, rent a car, come hang out for a couple of days. Usually the weather's terrific. The food's good here. And uh, we just spend a ton of time hanging out in a really cool shop looking at really cool data. Yeah. Tough sell right there, right? Fly into right. Vegas. Yeah. Fly. Oh, yeah. oh and by yeah. the way, you're flying into and out of Vegas. Uh, no, it makes perfect sense. Did you say it was EFI? And yeah, you can spend the weekend there if you wanted to, right? If I, you, you know, the class starts Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No one says you have to go home on Saturday. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right, honey. It, uh, it's over on Monday. Uh, yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> Did you say EFI101.com? That is the correct website, EFI101.com. Excellent. And we'll put it up on the screen, EFI101.com. And uh, that's um, just the competition engine development class. That's right. As we announced at the expo, we're also going to be doing two hands-on honing classes, just one day class strictly on honing. So Ben, why don't you talk about those? Yeah. So um, the idea behind the honing class was to be a little bit more focused behind me. I've got the Rottler CNC hone there, six stone diamond head. And uh, we're going to bring um, uh, Ed Keebler, I believe we're going to bring over. And mm -hmm. then you know, of course, us, we'll, we'll, me and Lake will be there and it, we're going to spend a, probably the first half or third of the day in the classroom, talking on the chalkboard, looking at slides, looking at data. But like so many things, you can read about it, you can watch a video about it, you can talk about it. But man, once you finally get in your hands, get your hands on it and do it, you just learn better. So I always like to think about if I wanted to ride a bike, I could watch all the videos on the internet about how to ride a bike. But I'll tell you what, till you sat on there and moved the pedals, you haven't really ridden a bike. And uh, it doesn't take you very long to get it once you do hands-on. So what we're going to do is set up a block in here with a, I think we're going to have a couple of different sleeves in it. So different hardnesses. We're going to talk about different stones and loads and speeds and feeds and pressures and coolant versus oil. And, you know, we're going to kind of walk through the whole thing, but we're just going to let you do it. And that's how you're going to learn. We're going to hone for a while, use the profilometer, look at how the same honing practice in a different cylinder material affects your outcome. And then we'll be able to change the outcome and, and really have a lot of fun learning how to hone blocks to get the most power. Exactly. Cause you gotta make your recipe, right? We talk about this all the time. It's a recipe and you've got to figure out what that right recipe is. I mean, even today uh, here with Danny back there on, on his home, we came across that, that, okay, when you put in that finer grid abrasive, guess what? You have to back, that load down. Otherwise, you're going to take out too much material. We already did that, right? So when we're done doing this episode of Hidden Morse Power, we're going to go back to the hone and, and work on that again, because that's part of how you learn. If you don't have a hands-on uh, opportunity like this, it can't happen, you know? Oh, we lost Ben. I don't know we where he went. Ben. We temporarily lost Ben. We'll come back. You probably got a text message, right? Like that's the way it goes. There he is. He's back. He's now sorry about back. that, guys. I had a delivery guy show up on me, and I didn't want him to be in our episode. Aha, that works just fine <laughs> as well. Honestly, I'm surprised that doesn't happen uh, more. Hey, I wanted to shout out the guy that came up and said hi. Named Dan Cancellor, Cancellor Automotive Racing Engines, came up said he loves the episodes, loves Hidden Horsepower, wants to come out, and uh, and he's going to try to hit the next engine performance expo so shout out to him that is great stuff now uh, ben you sent a video of some valve spring stuff i saw you do it on uh, your social media as well and frankly i was fascinated i'm wondering if i can roll the video and you can give yeah. us a little insight so i gave you this i gave you this example of what not to do this is a really bad <laughs> example of what you want your valve control to look like so if you want to play that i'll uh talk you through a couple things Okay, I'm going to try to bring your mic up over the top of it. Hopefully that works. If it doesn't, then we'll talk about it afterwards. Here it comes. Okay, sounds good. So oh, you're good. Go for it. Here. If you can hear me, there's a couple of things here. So this is uh, 12,000 frames per second of capture rate, and the engine's at 10,000 revolutions per minute. Um, so a couple of things. If you look at the spring, it's it's got a bunch of surge and coil clash, so it's hard to explain just how terrible the noise that makes is when you're actually running. Um, but if you also watch the one that would be like on the left side of your screen, there might be the right side of your screen, the one nearest to you, you can see when it comes back to the seat, you can actually see the valve bounce off the seat and mm. almost spits the, the lash cap out underneath the uh, roller there on the rock arm. 
if you had a little bit more valve lash, it would quite easily spit that lash cap out of there and boy, you'd be in big trouble. So um, this is what we don't want them to do. Now, the spring's moving around like that a lot, quite often, but when they start getting really violent like that and it's actually pulling the, the lock and the retainer slightly off, we are moments away from catastrophe. This one did not end in catastrophe, thankfully. Um, but the, the reason that we started doing it this way, Joe, was that in the olden days, you know, like a year ago, uh, <laughs> we were really, really fancy with our laser, uh, where we can put the laser in and watch the valve motion. And so from the piston's point of view, we can see what the valve is doing. And there's often times where you go, man, this thing's fantastic. It's amazing. It works great. And then we would film the spring and you realize that the valve motion was okay, but holy cow, the spring was wildly out of control. Um, other times the spring is perfectly happy dynamically, but it just doesn't have enough load. So you see the valve motion gets out of control. So really we learned that we had to have both. We have to have a visual and a, uh, you know, sort of uh, data driven approach to getting the valve train correct. And so there's a lot that you can actually see here um, in some of the frames, you can actually look at the upper left corner of that rock arm and see the shaft is trying to pull out of the stand. Um, so, sorry. Um, no, hang on guys. No, that's fine. That's fine. We'll get, we'll pull Ben out. I could watch this all day. Like, honestly, like this kind oh. of slow motion, uh, shots. Uh, I can watch this all day because I don't even know where to look. Like I'm looking at everything and I'm seeing all this different stuff. Obviously we're all fascinated by the internal combustion engine and the, uh, the timing of it all, but this at 12,000 frames per second to be able to see what's going on. And this thing's all over the place. This, this example. Well, that's like Ben said, the power of his system is that not only are you using the laser to measure the valve motion from the pistons perspective, now you have the camera to come back and look at it from the valve frame's perspective and see what's going on. That way, I'm sure the next thing he's gonna be having to do is, okay, as we run the Spintron and we're making all the gear shifts, we're gonna see what's the spring doing with each of those shifts. Not only what's the valve doing, but trying to have that ability to see what's happening and also measure. It's almost like we were doing with the profilometer and the microscope, is it gives you a 3D picture of what's going on with the high-speed camera and the laser with the valve uh, with the Spintron. Now you can really create this 3D picture of what's happening in my valve train to make sure you get good valve train control, not just for power but also for durability. You can see all that with that setup. It's quite amazing. So, and then Joe, go back to the picture with the black background and the yellow trace at the top. Yes. So to add to this, what, what we are doing here, if you look, so instead of just doing the typical dyno pull, you know, you start at 3000 and pull to 9000 or whatever, this is actually a simulation that we took from the racetrack. Like we took the data log from the racetrack and recreated it there on the Spintron. And what's interesting about that is before we had the ability to do this, um, we really could only look at the valve train in one direction. So accelerating. So you could accelerate slow, you accelerate fast, but we couldn't decelerate. And when you look at the data in your race pack, you can, you can do what's called creating a math channel and you can, you can sort of uh, take the derivative of your engine speed or the change in engine speed over time. And what you find is in a, in a pretty fast car, let's take, for example, like a pro stock car. Those cars might accelerate at uh, upwards of four to 5,000 RPMs per second in low gear. And then of course in second and third and fourth and fifth, the rate of acceleration goes down. But what a lot of people don't ever consider is that when you change gears on that Liberty five-speed transition, you'll see as much as like negative 15 to 18,000 RPMs. It goes backwards like three or four times faster than it was accelerating. And so a while back, some, some, somewhere around the end of 2019, we started to clue into what was happening there and the valve train getting upset at the bottom of that gear change and going, if we could, if we could design valve trains that behaved better in that negative transient, the car might accelerate better. And so we've made huge gains in the vehicle performance that you couldn't necessarily even see on the dyno because the dyno just goes straight up. But you would go, well, it's not that really that much different on the dyno. You put it in the car and the car was way faster. And so the reason that it was difficult to do that kind of testing before, like on the Spintron, was that the Spintron's a big electric motor. 
And so you put current into it and the motor spins and that spins your engine so you can measure everything. If you try to slow down quickly though, you take the power away and you slow that electric motor down. What happens is you get a 75 horsepower DC generator because it's a 75 horsepower AC motor. And then when it starts slowing down, it starts generating, you know, voltage. Um, so if you're not careful, if you slow down too quickly, that voltage coming out of the motor will try to shut your drive down and basically like turn off your spintron. So you can't decelerate very quickly. Well, what I did was I went and bought what's called a DC chopper or a braking module. And what this thing does is it senses when you slow the electric motor down and it starts generating lots of voltage, it senses that and will nearly instantaneously switch that DC voltage away from the drive and into this giant bank of resistors that I have bolted to the wall now. And so now I have effectively uh, a giant resistor braking module so we can make the thing literally do gear changes, you know, like we can't go quite as fast as the car because we don't have that mechanical leverage, but you can make extremely hard and fast negative gear changes now. And sure enough, the data was showing why we were seeing those improvements on the track. And so I probably don't have enough time today to like really nitpick and go through all that data why, but we will get some time to do that in the class. But what we found was, you know, we sort of, over the last you know, 20, 30 years, we've learned how to put a camshaft in the engine that gives us the best power on the dyno. But now we're learning that what makes the most power on the dyno maybe isn't the right thing for what makes the car go down the track. And, and I know that we've sort of always known that, but you only knew it because you had all these 30 years of experience and you just sort of knew what not to do. Nobody could ever tell me why. Now we can measure it, we can manage it, and we can manipulate it. And so now we can make it do what we want when we want. It's really exciting time to be working on valve trains and camshafts and cylinder heads and fast engine stuff. Lake, wow, that's just amazing. Hey, I want to jump in here because we are showing a lot of visuals and people might be wondering like, what are they doing? Uh, this is an audio podcast. And yes, it is an audio podcast for people that are going over the road and driving and listening and all of that. But on this particular episode, we wanted to show these visuals. They are available. You can see them on the uh, Hidden Horsepower, the Total Seal YouTube channel, which Lake has done a great job of bringing on subscribers, so you'll be able to see it there. It will also appear in our Facebook page and group, so all you have to do is when you get off the road or out of the shop and you can actually go and pay attention to something, you'll want to go back and check out this episode visually as well, so you can see some of these uh, graphs and charts and even the valve spring video while we were talking over it, uh, just to see it in slow motion was really amazing. You're going to want to do that guys. I know a lot of our guys are audio only. I'm an audio only guy. I listen to a lot of stuff and when they're talking about something I can't see, I get annoyed. So I just want to do, let you guys know, you will be able to see this stuff. You just got to go to the YouTube channel. A picture is worth a thousand words, Joe. When we're trying to explain a complex topic like that, as soon as you see it, it's like, Ooh, okay. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, walk us through these other photographs and, and that way, uh, like, obviously this is just Randy Neal's uh, amazing balancing machine and we're going to hang. It yeah. is, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pass too quickly there. Cause um, I told Randy when we made the deal to get the machine here, you know, I was, I was skeptical, Joe, to me, crank <laughs> balancing was always kind of like junk science, right? Like same thing. Nobody could give you a straight answer. Do you balance it? 50%, negative 1%, you know, there's all these opinions and nobody had any data. What I really like about what Randy's done with his machine there is he's made it so that you can get data. For example, I can now with, with the machine, I can now, you know, balance a crankshaft or, or check the balance of a crankshaft and see how far it is out of balance, which frankly we could always do before. But what he's done is gone to the next level and said, okay, if you show me the out of balance, I'll show you how much force that is at any given engine speed you're going to run. So you might say, oh, this thing's only got nine grams of imbalance. Big deal. And Randy goes, yeah, it is a big deal at 10,000 RPM when that becomes 800 pounds of force on the crankshaft 66 times per second, like a jackhammer. And it was like, to me, that was like, it was this eye opening, like, okay, now it's not junk science anymore. Now, again, we got to be able to measure it so we can manage it so we can manipulate it. And if we can't do those things, then it is just sort of religious, you know, because I said so ology. And that was what I really wanted to change when we started building the school. And that's why Randy's balancer ended up here because it was the first time somebody could actually put numbers on something 
and say, let me show you why that eight grams or nine grams or whatever your number is. Let me show you why that isn't what you want. Instead of just, well, I don't know, that's just what everybody does. Copy that. And one of the great conversations I heard at the Engine Performance Expo is I would go out when you guys were doing your thing and maybe get a beverage, sit down at one of the tables and just eavesdrop was a conversation about balancing engines. And so I did my best, but, uh, and how, you know, whether, whether or not you're using a vacuum pump and how that can change balance. And I just, my mind was blown and, uh, there's a lot going on in there. Certainly. There's so many variables. I think that's, what's exciting about engines is it's the engine really is a series of dependent events that are connected together. You can never change just one little thing and have it not affect so many other things, you know, like, like you said, just putting a vacuum pump and, how that affects the the you know the what's happening in the oil i hate to say oil pan but crankcase right mm -hmm. it's amazing how the smallest little differences you know if you have a little bit more ring blow by in one cylinder than the other then how hard that cylinder is pressing down on the crankshaft in that 90 degree phase well if it's harder or less hard than the others now you've got this torsional twisting happening i think randy calls that a second order vibration uh in the crankshaft and it starts getting sort of mind boggling of, of how precisely we need to try to control all these different variables. And, and, you know, it's balance, it's ring seal, it's oil chemistry, it's, you know, combustion technology, it's airflow, it's all these things. You don't get to just change one. It always affects something else. And that's really what keeps this fun. I, I promise you, I would get bored really fast if you could just design the engine with a calculator and have it hit the dead center, you know, of your bullseye every time part of what makes this fun is the not knowing. Absolutely. It's funny when we were doing some of the stuff for dad's engine here recently, Joe, we were over at uh, Roush Yates and Jeff Clark was talking some things and we got talking about, you know, combustion analysis. And of course they were, they were excited about what we were doing with it, with dad's engine and everything. And he just kind of made this offhand comment and said, Oh yeah, I remember we really started getting into combustion analysis. We got this idea that well, we need, we need to make every cylinder, run the same. That would be the ideal thing is, okay, try to figure out what's the best cylinder or whatever, but then we'll, we'll come up with an average and try to get all of them to be the same. So the engine wanted to beat itself apart <laughs> if they made them all the same. So it actually ran better. Just let the good ones be good. Let the Make the good one as good as it can be. And the ones that are dogs, just let them be dogs. Don't worry about it. Don't try to make them all the same because the engine works runs worse and tries to kill itself. And you're like, what? That's crazy. You would never think about that. You think, oh, you want to make them all the same. It's like, well, no, just let them, let the best be the best. And then just help the ones that are struggling, but let them be different. It's okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Now, it's almost impossible to get them all to be the same anyway. You're just going to have yeah. good ones and bad ones, and you just got to make each one be as good as it can be. But it's not always well, the same. About that video, right? Joe. No. A, a couple Hold of guys. Video. Were, yeah, which one? Pull up the video where, where you see the engine and we start off on one side and you see the headers on one side and we go around to the other side of the engine. Yeah. So as you can see, there's some headers right there. Now we get around the other side of the engine. Those are different headers. Ben, why don't you explain what we did and what we saw? It's funny. I'm laughing because I forgot about this. Um, in fact, twice earlier, Joe, you showed me this video and I missed that. If you look, they are different headers. On this side of the engine, they're long tube headers. And over here on this side of the engine, they're short tube headers. I'd forgotten that we'd done all this. So one of the first things that we learned doing combustion analysis was that we had a, we don't have one engine that's an eight-cylinder engine. What we have is eight individual one-cylinder engines. And so what we could see right away was that at various engine speeds and various you know uh, uh, loads, the header was right for some cylinders and wrong for others. And so the first thing that we thought was, well, geez, the last thing this thing ever wants is equal length headers on every single cylinder. And so some one of us, you, me, Ross, I can't remember. Somebody had this, the is, Ross. this is Ross's idea, totally. <laughs> one of us had the idea of like, well, let's swap headers. And I think Ross said, well, why, do, why are we doing both of them? Let's just swap one header. So we ran this engine with the, you can actually see the cables there hanging out the bottom. Those are combustion sensors. So each sen each sensor is in there measuring the cylinder pressure and power and torque. And uh, we, we figured out right away that like putting, you know, a long header and a short header and which side of the engine put it on had a dramatic difference of the way the engine ran. And even that, like if you, if you put the long one on the left and the short one on the right, 
and then you just reversed them, the engine was totally different again. It was yep. totally not an easy, just predict this is going to happen and it happens. And that sort of led us into thinking that, wow, what's really happening is the exhaust manifold or, or that runner is actually talking through the cylinder to the intake manifold. So it was affecting the entire engine operation, depending on what you did with the header and where you did it. And so what we realized is you don't want eight equal length headers. You really want eight not equal length headers and each one should be suited to that particular cylinder to make it as good as it could be. Of course that led into, well, what about the intake and what about the camshaft and what about pretty soon you're back to like square one starting over, but it was a really fun <laughs> exercise. Oh my goodness. Back to, you can't just sit down with the calculator and just come up with the perfect engine and just be done. This is why we do this is because it's fun because it's an infinite set of variables just about almost always. I'm yes. sure people are out there and they're like watching this and they're very interested, but they're also like, these guys have got the best gig. Like this is cool. <laughs> you get to do crazy stuff like that. It's yeah. good work if you can get it. Next time you're going to yeah. put a zoomie on the one side and see what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was actually a really fun thing though. Cause it did teach us a lot about the engine. You know I mean? If you, um, Joe, do you have one of the pictures of the combustion pressures up there anywhere? I believe I do. Is this it? No, uh, it looks similar to that, but that's the valve train one. No. one more. Got another one with a black background. I don't think I do. Maybe oh, this oh. One. no. Okay. No. I thought, I no, thought no, I've got five photographs. That oh, I I'm sorry. Maybe it was the video that Lake sent. Video is a video. Yeah. Okay. We're that I've got, that I've got. Here it comes. Video that Lake sent. Um, I think the this is it. building. The suspense Here is Here we go. Drama. Oh yeah. There, there you go. go. Okay, so what you're looking at there, Joe, is uh, basically a playback of the combustion pressures. Uh, that looks like probably just one cylinder that we're looking at of the eight. Mm -hmm. But up at the top, you've got like the, the yellow line there is sort of like the, the sweep that we did on the dyno. But what's really interesting is down at the bottom. So that, that funky look in those two loops, we call them. Can you see that all right? Yes. All right. So what you're looking at is the four-stroke engine cycle in terms of cylinder pressure and volume. So the, the Y axis going up and down is how much pressure was in the cylinder. And the X axis across the bottom is the volume. So over to the left would be top dead center and over to the right is bottom dead center. So watch, if you follow that line, uh, the lowest line there would be the intake stroke starting on the left-hand side, moving over to the right, the line kind of swoops down and has like a belly. That's low cylinder pressure where we're filling the intake stroke, okay? We get to bottom dead center and then it turns around and it goes back up in almost a straight line. That's the compression stroke there. Then we light the spark plug and we get the work there happening as it rounds the corner and down, down the expansion stroke, also a straight line. And then it turns the corner again and it pumps it all back out through the exhaust stroke. And so what happens is you get those loops. We call it the working loop and the pumping loop. So the top one if you look from bottom dead center to top dead center, that straight line on the bottom, that's our compression stroke. And in that part of the cycle, the pistons are doing work on the gases that are in the cylinder. And then we convert those, those gases into heat energy and the gases then expand as the pistons going down. The gases are now doing work on the piston. And so if we were to take the area of that upper loop we could call that effective pressure or mean effective pressure. The average amount of pressure in the cycle across that stroke effectively shows us how much work we were doing to the crankshaft. So because of that, we could measure the actual torque the cylinder is producing. Now that's not what we net though, because there is a little bit of payback in that bottom loop. So the area of the bottom loop between the exhaust pressure being high and the intake pressure being low, you got to subtract that out. That would be our pumping losses. But if you take your pumping losses in that loop and subtract them from the work loop at the top, you get the net mean effective pressure. And that's how we can effectively measure each, indiv in each individual cylinder's power and torque. Now, here's what's cool about that is that's the power and torque for that single cylinder. But if we look at all eight cylinders and add them all together, we get power and torque for the whole engine, except that it doesn't match the dyno. It doesn't match the dyno because there's taxes, there's friction that we have to pay from the cylinders out to the flywheel. Yeah. Now we have a way to measure the friction of the engine in real time. So things like how much oil you put in the engine, how much ring tension you have, how much, you know what I mean, valve spring pressures you've, you're using. We have a way to measure, manage, and manipulate 
those losses in the engine. Look at look at Lake. He's excited, Joe. Yeah, he got excited. Uh, this is why I love this. This is why I hang out with Ben. Right? Is one you <laughs> learn something new every time. You hang out with Ben, you learn something new every time. But anyone that knows me knows that all the things he just said are the things I love the most. Right? This is what gets me up in the morning, and it's like let's what go make something happen. Let's learn something. That's it. Which is why it, coming to I me, mean, it's. You go to Lake Havasu, not just because you have to go through Vegas or the weather's really nice. It's you, we get to do this kind of thing and you can break out all those variables and you can see all this stuff. Like you said, measure, manage, manipulate. That's how you make power. That's how you win races. That's what makes this so much fun. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. Well, that was pretty interesting just that, that it was a multiple loops. It was kind of the journey of the, of the situation, right? Uh, yeah. Watching, watching it, you know, it affect the gases and then the gases affect the, the piston. That's, so what's uh, really cool is then you look at, okay, so how could I, now I've measured it. So how do I manage it? How do I manipulate it? Well, you do that by changing those headers, for example. And that would, that doesn't necessarily change, you know, my spark timing or anything like that. But what it does change is the pumping loss or penalty that I would pay during that part of the stroke. So if I can use the header to reduce my pumping loss, I effectively gain power because I had to pay less in taxes. And so the measurement part was getting the sensors and the data acquisition and drilling the holes in the cylinder head and doing all that. The management and manipulation part comes from looking at understanding, disseminating and, and, and applying the data, right? And so without that data, all we're doing is guessing. I don't care who you are, what you do, all you're really doing is guessing without the data. And so, you know, like, you mentioned something earlier and I, and I was going to say something, but I got off track, but we talk a lot about how it can be frustrating for people in this industry to look at stuff like that and go, well, yeah, sure. You guys have $75,000 worth of sensors you can do, but how's a regular guy supposed to be able to do that? Well, the answer is come here and learn with us. Like, I love that you said every time you come here, you learn because I do too. So the reality is if you come here, whether in a class or whether you're Lake and you come hang out, you're going to learn at the speed of Ben because every single day I show up here, I'm learning something. And so every single day I'm turning right around and sharing that with our Delta Lambda group, with our social media, with our classes, with our, you know, competition engine development. Like I, I didn't build this place um, on a foundation of secrets. I literally built this place so that I could share the things that get me excited. Like you said, you'd, you wake up every morning, it makes you want to go into work, man. I'm the same way, except I also toss and turn all night thinking about it. Can't wait to get here the next day and go find out more stuff. Um, it's hard not to be, it's hard not to be affected by that, that, um, what's the right word? Like the, the culture as you get here, right? Like you mm. just, it's like infectious. You can't come here and not want to go explore and try something and find something new. And what about this? And how about that? You know, and the cool thing is we have a lot of data. So when you ask a question, you don't get a, you know, look at the floor and shuffle your feet. Oh, shucks. I don't know. Mm. I guess you just sort of have to know you go, Hey, let me pull up some data and show you, or you know what? I'm not really sure, but let's set up a test and get data to find out. Exactly. Well, and that's EFI University, right? It's like a university is supposed to be a place of higher learning. And yep. in, in theory, certainly originally, when you went to that place, you're supposed to have that kind of atmosphere where people are focused on exactly that, learning about stuff that they're interested in and that they want to learn and they could take it away and take it back home and use it in their lives. Well, and our job is to make it interesting enough that you want to learn. I, I distinctly remember 10th grade geometry class rolling my eyes going, when am I ever going to use this? This is the dumbest stuff ever, you know, <laughs> joke was on me, right? Like I use it every day now. But but beyond that, if somebody had told me in 10th grade all the cool things you can do with geometry to make engines faster, I would have paid attention. And so now what I do at my school is I try to find really cool ways to help people learn really complicated things, but make them simple and small bite-sized morsels that you can actually understand and use because you want to go home and be better. You want to go home and apply it and have fun with it. Enjoy it. We're not trying to like show you all our cool stuff and go, well, you're never going to be as cool as we are. That's not the point. No. The point is hey, we made the investment to build this facility so that you can benefit from it. That's why you should come here. Great stuff. And the, and the truth of that is the Delta Lambda group. When we got together at PRI, just walking around the room with all the Delta Lambdas in there and seeing that they are empowering each other. They're doing it. They're not just talking about it. They're doing it. They, they, it's what education should be, what a good university 
should be is that it inspires you, it educates you, but then you go and do it. That's the whole yeah. point of, you know, the fraternity. Kind of bringing it together, right? Oh, I need big horsepower is about teaching people, right? Well, we're not doing ourselves or anyone who, who's a hidden horsepower follower justice if we're not giving them the opportunity to go to the next level, do to go to the competition engine development class, to go to the hands-on honing class. If you want to get yourself, if you want to keep progressing, you got to keep doing, which is why we're doing this episode and talking about these things. And, and you know, I hate to be, I, I, I don't want this to come off and sound jerky or arrogant or whatever, like, but you know, it's like everything else. It's there's always going to be a million reasons why you can't make the class, right? Like it costs X amount of dollars. I got to travel. I got to miss work. Believe me, there's never going to be a shortage of excuses or reasons not to push yourself and move forward. But for the few people that are dire, you know, desperate and ready to figure out how to go to the next level, man, it's really like the cheapest thing you could ever do. It's such a launch pad because you can probably testify this more than me because I think I'm just bragging about our place, but you cannot come to EF University for an hour, let alone three days, and not walk away with a completely different perspective about engines. I, I promise you that. And you could, like I said, you can probably say that better than I can because I live here, but man. Well, I'll say this. You've only invited me to come see your place once. <laughs> <laughs> and that was... I don't know how many years ago feels like it's probably 10 years ago. You invited me to come see it once. I've just kept on coming back and inviting myself back for 10 <laughs> years. And I have not gone a year. There's me even during the lockdown, right? I showed up in two places during the lockdown year. I went to Shavers and I went to Ben's yeah. travel restrictions be damn. I was going anyway, buddy. And yeah. so I keep coming back and there's a reason I keep coming back. Yeah. That's, that's high praise. I appreciate that. I, I never forget the first time you came here. I didn't really know you. We'd met, I think, maybe at, I don't know, SEMA or PRI or yep. something like one of the trade shows. And, you know, then you reached out and said, hey, I'm going to be in town. I want to come visit, you know. And and at that time, it was like, man, this is like, this is like Speed Junior, you know, like everybody sweep the floors and look busy, you know. And and then I just remember, like, the first time you showed up, you, like, walked in the door and you set your briefcase down and you just kind of went, this place is legit. And I was like, <laughs> that was a pretty high compliment. And I, I knew then, like, okay, we're going the right way. Keep Keep doing what we're doing, you know. But uh, yeah, you're right. I've, I've only ever invited you once, but it's it's your second home, really. So dude, no exactly. invitation needed. All right. So uh, yeah, I got I got to see this place. Is really the answer to the deal. Pretty uh, much at some, at some point. Absolutely. In the yeah. And there's one more video, Lake. That's uh, it's the thing that probably people will enjoy the most. Play it. You guys making a poll? That's oh yeah. Guys, if you want to walk us through, we just want to enjoy it. This is the engine performance next to our last. I think that was about 9,100 RPM or something. Um, yeah, I was about to say that's that's a, what 20 pounds of boost at 9,000 something RPM, just 1,200 something horsepower, you know. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. I think, I think by the time it was over. Uh, we were turning that thing 91, 50, 9,200, something like that, about 22 and a half pounds of boost. I think we made 1327 ultimately with that thing. Yeah. 1327 was the best run. That run there popped up. I think if I look by screen, right, it looks like 1289. You know, here's the crazy thing, Joe, talking about the combustion analysis stuff. If we didn't have in cylinder combustion analysis on that engine, we probably would have capped out somewhere around like 1100 horsepower. But Ben just relied on 1150 or 1160. And we were looking at each other going, man, this sucks. Like we got to be able to do better than that. And you're right. We just started tuning on it. It was like, don't panic. Let's work on it. And yeah, we found a ton of power in that thing. It's just trusting the data. What, what it was telling us is if the, I remember you said we basically violated all the cardinal rules of tuning on the last day in terms of, you know, what your retard should be versus how much uh, boost you're making. Like we broke every one of those rules on the last day. But the coolest thing was not only did you make 1,327 horsepower, we made like 13 runs over 1,250 horsepower with the engine making like 1,680 something in cylinder. Yeah. But you yeah. can see every cylinder 
and we know that we'd never hurt any cylinder because you can see every single cylinder. So we literally made whatever 1300 horsepower, basically times 13 runs, how much power that was. That's incredible to have that level of power in consistency from all the shelf parts. Like there's not a single part in that engine other than the connecting rods because it's a weird deck height block mm -hmm. that was custom. They're all shelf parts. Yeah. So being able to, it was, I remember having that like gut check moment where we looked at each other and it's like, all right, do we trust <laughs> the data or not? Do we just, do we just do it the old fashioned way and say, ah, I don't know, this is the way we've always done it. Or do we trust the data? So the risk is we trust the data and the data is wrong and we hurt our precious engine. But the, the, the reward could potentially be huge. And I want to say we were somewhere in like the 1180-ish, 1185 mm -hmm. power. And it was like, look, we either trust the data or we don't. And we just started getting after it. And like you said, I think 13 plus runs over 9,000 RPM and over 20 pounds of boost making at the crankshaft over 1,250 horsepower and on average 1,280 to 1,300. But like you pointed out, that thing was making almost 1,700 horsepower inside the combustion chambers. We're just giving away 300 of or so of friction to turn the blower and move the pistons and and all that. But you still got to make that cylinder pressure. You still have to seal that cylinder pressure. The rings have to work. You can't you can't mess up the tune up and knock the rings out of the thing and expect it to make power. The fact that we did that over and it, it almost got boring, you know, um, oh, yeah. because we trusted the data. Well, we, we hit the limit of the engine, right? We, we found out, okay, back to the pressure uh, transducers and what it was telling us, we couldn't put more air in the engine because we couldn't get it out. We basically hit the limit of those headers. And we're like, we can't make any more power than that because this is, we can't get the air out now. We're done. Yep. yep. So interestingly, you know, that's what makes this fun. So then you go back and you work on your headers and you go, all right, we got this good. So now I need to turn the boost up. And then you get, you know, you just chase your tail and it's, Pretty soon you're at 1500 horsepower, you know, so exactly. lots of fun. Amazing. Well, that's, Amazing. that's going to be the work we do this year for the next engine performance expo. Is, okay, that's where we left off. Now, what do we do next? Like, is this thing going to end up in a race car somewhere at some point? We're going to have to do something, right? I think we, we talked about this thing being a drag week type engine in the very beginning. I, I think at some point we have to do that. It's got to be like a drag week, sick week. We got to do something. We got to put it in a car at some point and go fast, right? We're going to put my dad's engine in a car and go fast. So we got to go put this thing in a car and go fast. Joe, we just need a volunteer to drive it. Are you in? Yeah, I'm the guy. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I'm a little nervous, honestly. Like, I volunteer because the answer is always yes. The question's yes. like, uh, yes, but now I just am already thinking of it. There will be some stress. There will be some stress because there's a lot of hard work that goes to it, but I'll still I'll still do it. If we put well, it I'm in a car, so you don't have to be scared. Right? Speaking of your dad's engine going fast, uh, I know that video is out. I have yet to see that, Lake. Oh yeah, watch it. You got to go watch it. I hear, so, I hear it's great. Like that's one that I want to sit down. It's not a watch or listen while I'm doing something else in the background. That is a focus uh, deal. Feel free to promote where it is for those that don't know. But uh, Lake's dad's engine ended up back in a car, and him, his dad, back in the behind the wheel. From what I understand. Well, that, well that's what it's going to end up being, right? So the the video that just came out is uh, Stapleton Forty Two is the YouTube channel you can go to. So that's Stapleton 42. Um, it's probably the first one up there, or you just want to go to YouTube, type in Lake Speed, uh, and it's going to be the first thing that pops up. Um, it, it's taking that engine that was in the shop for 18 years of sitting on the floor, and then we took it out. We took it over to ProMotor, uh, Dennis Borman, those guys, and we dynoed it, and it was way down on power. And then we basically applied all these same things that we've been talking about today that we talk about in the class. We applied it to it, kept the same heads, same block, same manifold, same crank, same rod, same oil pump, same oil pan, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. We just changed the stuff inside and modernized it inside and applied these techniques to it. And it went from making uh, basically 480 horsepower this summer to making 780 horsepower this January with all those same parts, but just modern internals. Amazing. Simply amazing. All right, guys, final thoughts as we uh, wind up what has been the first studio episode of Hidden Horsepower for 2023. We're going to have celebrity engine builders. We're going to have racers. We're going to, who knows what we're going to have, Lake, as the year goes on, right in the middle of the year, right? Like we, we always come up with great ideas. So what, uh, what do you have in mind? Well, we have all the episodes we filmed at PRI. 
So we're going to have a whole run here coming up. Uh, an update from Mike Copeland, uh, Pat Musi, and Tron Brown. I mean, we, we've got some really great I – mean, I listened to the Gary Williams episode. As I was working on it the other night, Joe. Gary Williams' stories were amazing. So we've got some really great episodes from the PRI show that have been recorded. Those will stop dropping really soon. So basically right after this, we're going to get a little bit of PRI. And then we've got all kinds of new stuff. I know Keith Jones has been – cooking up some ideas with some folks. So it's going to be another great year uh, for more Hidden Horse Power. And I want to do some more, more Q&A qu uh, episodes this year. The Q&A ones that we did were at the very start of the Hidden Horse Power run. I think people didn't fully understand exactly how wide open this thing can be for a Q&A. And so with the social media and all the accounts up there, I think we can solicit some questions from the audience as well and just kind of put them towards you guys as well. Final thoughts, Ben, you got anything else you want to throw out there before we wrap this thing up? Is there anything that we failed to cover, Lake, that you had a plan to cover on this episode, guys? I, I think we covered all the cool stuff. We wanted to brag about our shop. We wanted to talk about the classes we can help people with. And obviously 2023 for us is going to be great working on this engine. We have a whole bag of tricks lined up uh, for how we're going to make more power. So being able to get to work with my buddy Lake all year on that and then show it off next year is going to be awesome. And uh, who knows what else we're going to learn as we go. But I promise you, we're going to be learning. That is awesome. Lake? Absolutely. So come join us. If you want to come hang out and join us in the, on the effort, please do so. Yep. And the good news is, is that everybody can go back and watch this over and over again. But one more time for the, the classes, they start in March, March 1st through 3rd, 2023 out there. That is the first one. There are limited seats remaining. You can go to EFI101.com. But there are multiple classes and multiple courses, right? So uh, give those dates once again for each. Uh, so March 1st through the 3rd is the, the next competition engine development class. Then uh, we'll have uh, the following week from that, we're actually going to do our, our EFI tuning course as well called ACP. And there's some seats left available. I think there's one or two seats left in that one. Uh, then come April 22nd, we're going to do the Rottler Total Seal EFI University uh, Straub Technologies honing course. So that'll be here. And then is it June? What'd you say? Ninth was June ninth was the one in uh, Tennessee. It's like ninth, tenth, somewhere around there. It's the same week as the Bristol NHRA race. We'll have the honing class at Straub's, which is seven miles from Bristol Motor Speedway. Yes, yes, and Bristol Dragway as well. NASCAR guys. <laughs> and I'll be there as well. Hopefully, I'll get in a little bit early and can go kind of check that out. Fly. Heck yeah, man. You got to run the home. Oh my exactly. God. Because I think we'll have your block there by then. I think that's kind of the plan, wasn't it, Joe? Was to have your block for your uh, mm -hmm. have it back from Gary and have it there, and we're going to hone your block while we're there. I would hope so. You and Gary were hatching all kinds of plans. We went out to dinner at the expo. Everybody knows uh, that if there is a social scene to that as well. And all I know is that Gary and Lake they made a bunch of plans, and I don't even know what they are. I know that it's yeah, yeah. all my stuff, but It'll uh, probably and work out in your favor though, Joe. <laughs> that's why it's just like and so just a quick inside story for the two of you and the benefit of the audience you guys might find this interesting but of course uh, we're talking about an engine and a bracket car of mine that i'm trying to like resuscitate and lake so what you've got something that's old and you want to make it new that's great that's right in my that's my wheelhouse and so it's kind of being taken over well i'm going to see i'm going to kansas in two weeks for an unrelated nhra event so i thought it was very important for gary Stinnett to get my engine prior to me going there so I can pop in and check it out. So for the past two weeks of my life, I have been thrashing to do all the things to ship uh, an engine, which I have never done. Shipped an engine. What do you do? You know, I'm, I'm getting a pallet. I'm getting a, an engine cradle. I'm building a crate. I'm throwing everything in the crate. I'm making logistical plans. And the engine arrived at Gary's on Friday while I was at Orlando Speed World for NHRA. And he's taking pictures of it, and he sent me a list of inventory. Everything made it, and it got real. When he sent me the photographs, I felt this sensation of, oh, man, it's on. So I'm super oh, yeah. excited about what's going on with this. And, you know, whether, whether or not we could pick up power or all that, it's just that I know that uh, I can trust the people that are involved. And that's what makes me super excited. Well, so there's well, no, pressure, no pressure, but so far Lakes average is picking up 300 horsepower on each engine that he touches. So <laughs> I, got my work cut out this time. I don't know. I don't know. 
I have no idea. It's been sitting around a long time, and uh, I can visually tell you there was a bunch of things wrong with it that uh, need to be fixed. So we'll, well see. Well, the, wor the worse it is, the easier it is to find those 300, right? So. Exactly, exactly. I wasn't going to do anything to it. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, ben, excellent work. That was amazing. You're welcome. Great to be there here, he guys. Goes. Ben Strader, EFI University and Lake. Final thought for the audience out there. Hey, if they want to connect with Total Seal, by the way, the reason we're doing all this is to uh, educate people about Total Seal, their technology, their commitment to educate. So people, when they need piston rings, they buy them from you right. guys. Someone's got to make all this possible. Right? That's kind yeah. of the number one reason we're doing all this is to sell piston rings. People got project engines. They got a question. What should they do? They should call 623-587-7400. Talk to one of the guys, Keith, Kevin, uh, Bobby, or August, any of those guys out there. They can help you out with your project. Just tell them what your, what your intention is. They can help you get in the right direction. Or if you want to go to TotalSeal.com, if you already kind of know what you want, you have an idea, you can go there, order it right there. You know, or from one of our distributors, that's, that's fine. But so, oh, ideas, like you said, we, we're having fun doing this stuff, but only way we can pay for all these things is selling piston rings. But that's the nice thing that we're doing is we're giving back. We're not just saying, hey, buy some piston rings and then we can go buy a boat. No, what we're doing is, hey, buy some piston rings so we can do more projects so we can teach you better so that we're all getting better and getting smarter together. And me and Matt has said on this show that, uh, you know, even if you have a question, like eventually, if you get good service from Total Seal, if a question gets answered, you spend a little time learning something, your next engine, you need, you're going to need rings at some point, you'll come back to Total Seal. And I, I think that is uh, great news. Uh, I'm excited. Well, we, I'm excited. We kind of think we can help you make more power. We're pretty sure that if you use Total Seal rings, you're probably going to make more power. If you follow our recipe, we're probably going to help you make more power and more longevity. So in the end, it kind of works out in your favor to buy our rings. It's simple as that. Lake, great job. Thanks, sir. He is Lake Speed Jr. And I am Joe Costello. You can follow me, WFO Joe. I also do a podcast called WFO Radio, the studio in which I am in. We talk to drag racers. That's how I met all these guys. And it has just been so amazing. We are just getting started with Hidden Horsepower. So subscribe, click the bell if you're watching on YouTube. If you're an audio-only podcast listener, you're going to want to go find this episode, guys. But we got plenty audio episodes coming at you here in 2023 and it is going to be great thanks to lake speed thanks to ben strader and thanks to everyone else out there our presented by total seal we'll see you next time